Hey guys, welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. This is a very special episode because uh, I've got a friend of mine who I've known for 24 years here. So uh, when we met when we were four years old and junior infants, who'd have thought we'd be doing a podcast one day? There you go, certainly not me. We're over having uh, over at my house having a cup of, uh, as he would say, weird herbal teas. So um, if he says anything, anything nonsensical, we blame it on the tea. Yeah, I think it... Uh main attribute it makes your heart race tries to trip you <laughs> up so it's either that go it's either that or the microphone so um we're going to talk about a couple of things and it, uh, sorry my friend's name is own mine in why not say hello nice to meet y'all um Mino was in an interesting place there a couple of years ago as we were coming out of college um he did an arts degree in ucd and to be honest just wasn't really sure of what, what you want to do is that pretty fair absolutely yeah didn't really have a clue and i Go always on. i always use the analogy of uh like when you're in school, everyone cares about three things. They care about exams, sports, and maybe uh, what they're doing in, in the nightclubs uh, on the weekend or once a month, whatever. And everyone's going at the same pace. Like they're all, every, you know, everyone does junior sort of 15, everyone does leaving sort of 18. And it's all, everyone's doing the exact same thing, caring about the exact same thing, going at the exact same pace. Then when you leave school and leave college, like that might persist into college, when you leave those institutions, it's like a stampede. The, the floodgates burst open. Everyone runs in different directions. Some people are in a rush over to the left, rush over to the right. And there's a lot of people in the middle who are like, hang on, what's the rush? I don't know what I want to do. This is supposed to be a fun part of our lives. And I would confess that I was one of the people in a rush. And I was in a rush into a feckin' direction I didn't even... I, I hated, basically. And I didn't think it through. You were of uh, someone who at the time was more confused there's possibly and probably a wisdom to that because you kind of took your time and now you've ended up somewhere you really like probably a bit quicker. Uh, what was it like though? Because that's a daunting time. That's a daunting place to be in. Yeah, I guess at 23, having come out of my second college degree, first one didn't quite work out, possibly a little bit. Too. What were the two degrees? So initially I went to UCD to study um, sports sociology and went up there as an 18-year-old, moved in with a few friends, Possibly you could say a bit too immature to do it and really commit myself, I guess. So yeah. semester one, obviously attended the majority of my lectures, give or take, and probably didn't apply myself enough. Failed three and passed three of my exams. And then I kind of just panicked and said, I don't know if I can kind of come back from this. As an 18 year old who was really lackadaisical, I was like, I've kind of made the balls out of this. It's first semester of a four year degree and I kind of freaked myself out. So that just stopped then. I basically convinced my parents uh, to let me drop out. Took a year where, whereby I did very little. Um, then determined I needed to obviously go back and try and get something under my belt. So I went and did an arts degree in politics. Um, three, year, three year course? Three year course. And you yeah. just missed a two one, or you just missed the first. Like just, you, you actually yeah. really did that well. Yeah, I kind of, uh, probably let myself down a tiny bit in second year that accounted for 50% of your right. your kind of end result so that probably brought me back from a first to a 2-1 but yeah. what explains the difference in mentality between how you approached the first one and the second one was the first one just like too much freedom in college having the crack type of thing far too much freedom I guess obviously having lived at home my entire life up until that point yeah. and kind of moving up and just having too much fun but yeah so you, you, you got a hold over that and a bit of discipline on it but then, as you say, when you left, you kind of didn't know what you wanted to do and you were kind of like, hang on, what's the rush? Uh, what was that like? Is that like an intimidating thing when you're in that mindset? Um, a little bit. It's kind of always on your mind on a, on a small level, but 
probably versus a lot of other people my age, I would have been more relaxed. Maybe you could say that that's because I had a, a sheltered upbringing and I probably was too comfortable. Or I think it's probably as much to do with just my, my personality. Yeah. Um, kind of this thing in the back of my mind that I'll, it'll kind of figure itself out, just keep tipping away and a, a job will fall into your lap. So I guess in comparison to a lot of my friends, that was a lucky place to be in. Yeah. Or I could view it the other way around and say, well, probably lacking a bit of ambition or whatever. So it's kind of, it depends what, what way you're looking at it, I guess. That's funny. So if you divide people in two, you have the people sprinting towards the pole, myself included, and they end up at the wrong pole, and, a lot, and probably most of the sprinters do, uh, and then the people who aren't sprinting, you divide them into two. You have the people who are really anxious and freaking out about it, who are the majority, and then you have the minority of people who are just, there's probably a wisdom to it where you just kind of, life works out like if I just do things I'm interested in doing. Was that pretty much the attitude? Kind of, yeah. yeah. A bit naive. Um, but looking at it today, I guess I haven't ended up too badly. I'm in a job that I like, uh, with a great company. Um, kind of feel like I'm on a much better, kind of can see where I'm going, or I like to think I can anyway. Yeah. Um, so you were at that stage. You're you've been working in River Island pretty much since leaving secondary school. You've been there like five years or something, and uh, built up like a good reputation there. All there was there was a career there for you pretty much. Yeah. Well. Ultimately, probably didn't see myself uh, working there forever, but I guess it kind of gave me a, a decent skill set and um, working with customers and working with people, um, some of whom are maybe more challenging than others, yeah. uh, which I kind of enjoyed. I enjoyed the buzz of maybe dealing with somebody a little bit trickier, kind of got a bit of a kick out of the conversations. Um, so yeah, I actually, I, I do feel like I benefited from that. Um, did you feel like that was your calling into sales or customer-oriented stuff? Uh, interestingly, I kind of always thought sales, I didn't really understand what sales was, maybe, um, as a teenager or even in college, I kind of thought uh, anybody who works in sales is just a bit of a cowboy, they're selling something they're not that passionate about, yeah. for the most part. Um, so I kind of thought sales, nah, sales, sure, how are you going to make a lot of money as a salesman? No understanding, really. Uh, but yeah, looking back on it, I guess that kind of paved the way and kind of gave me a basic skill set for or skill set for sales mm. so um yeah maybe it did kind of lead me into where i'm at now it makes a lot of sense in you. hindsight most of you won't know mino obviously uh important that you know he's probably the most socially skilled person i know like in terms of bringing you along to a party introduce you to anyone and you're going to just hit it off with them and have a good chat that i would that would be the thing i would say about you well i think you the person needs to have the kind of ability to do the socializing as well but yeah yeah possibly possibly so so coming from that like basic skill set and then going into like doing your courses not really know what you want to do i think it's a very important thing to know to fall back on that skill set and people often miss the signs but the fact that you were doing well in river island and, and getting a kick out of it that was a sign and being able to follow that is i think uh that's a wise thing to do as opposed to, there's a lot of, I can actually think of someone I know who's also very socially skilled and worked in retail and never really read into that. He never read into the fact that he enjoyed it, did well at it, yeah, all well, that sort of stuff. I, I didn't probably. It's more of a subconscious thing, I guess. Um, you kind of take for granted just the ability to speak to people and kind of be social. But yeah. I guess it goes a long way, particularly in sales. Like ultimately and what I'm doing now selling beer you need to just get on with your customers and that's probably 
kind of real number one in terms of being a good sales rep so yeah so where are you are now you're doing very well in, in Heineken how'd you get in there yeah so Heineken um, kind of another thing that just randomly happened um, a good friend of mine Rory who you know quite well um, he was contacted on LinkedIn by a recruiter um, regarding basically the most starter job you could possibly get in Heineken uh, a merchandising gig in the off trade so the off or beer sales is kind of broken up into two fields so you got the off trade which would be the sales in the supermarkets and the off licenses yeah. and then what we call the on trade which is pub sales nightclubs and that kind of thing gotcha. so it was uh, an off trade job literally packing shelves essentially so going traveling around to all the large multiples your super values your duns your tesco's and just trying to help them pull their stock through so they would have got a delivery that day or earlier that week a lot of that stock never made it out onto the floor so it's your job to kind of go out to the storeroom and say right there's a load of cases on you can hear can't sell them here i need to kind of approach somebody speak with the off license manager or the store manager and say you've x amount of stock out the back we're not going to sell it there there's x amount of space on the floor here i'm going to pack it all out and make a big display and that's going to pull the stock through quicker and then we're going to get more sales in in a shorter period of time interesting so that's what i started doing um not particularly glamorous i probably enjoyed the physical aspect of it so i kind of enjoyed as a 23 year old 24 year old just kind of rolling up my sleeves and packing out slabs of beer yeah even though maybe it wasn't it was like a workout job yeah it was a workout job it was far from where i saw myself going but i kind of thought heineken great company just kind of tip away at it and we'll see what happens that's interesting Mm -hmm. so you, you did you saw the path there kind of yeah i i did i guess in that it was it was an opportunity um to kind of work for like a big multinational and there's obviously scope for if I'm good at that or if people like me just kind of mm. working my way through the ranks. So yeah, I'm still there now four years later having moved into my fourth role. So yeah. Yeah, and like the fourth role is three promotions. Like it's not a, you're not, you're not moving around the place, you're moving up. I'm into my fourth supermarket <laughs> yeah. making display number 500. Yeah. So what this mentality is it's, it's something that's been said in this podcast a few times uh, most people never start because they're worried they're, they're afraid to be seen at the bottom and you as you said it that role wasn't that merchandising role wasn't where you saw yourself but you're yeah. willing to just bite that bullet for a while because you saw the path ahead yeah if only all graduates had that mindset there'd be a lot more of them out there on good tracks by the time they're 27 28 yeah uh, but a lot of them don't like talk about that mindset and maybe people trying to cross that that barrier probably important to kind of clarify that the job did come with a cool van so that maybe got it over the line for me but um (laughs) no no like it's at the same time i was kind of like right my friends have gone into kind of grad roles and whatever the big four and these kind of jobs so i was in the back of my mind it was somewhere that maybe this isn't like am i degrading myself a little bit driving around in this van like packing the shelves in the supermarket but at the same time probably just the view that you know just stick this out it might only even take you a couple of months doing this it's kind of a self-assured thing where i'll move out of that role pretty much straight away um which kind of helped yeah. i guess just a degree of confidence and just kind of show up every day get on well with people and just do the job well um will kind of get you get you there in the end so yeah. that's kind of my mentality always has been just kind of show up with a smile on your face and get on well with people so 
And just roll up the sleeves and don't don't complain type of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that element as well. Get a bit of a get a bit of sweat going, you know, during yeah. the day. It does, that's just like a positive attitude though. Mm. So what what's the path from there to what you do next? Because what you do now is a really cool job. Like do you want to give a like my understanding of it is you're basically the account manager for Heineken on some like top uh, off trade. Or sorry, on trade, on trade yeah, accounts. Yeah. So yeah, basically I moved into so that was off trade originally, uh, and then an opportunity came up in the on trade. So we had launched some new products, or Heineken Ireland, should I say, had launched two new products. Um, it's kind of took us three years ago now. So we launched Heineken Zero Zero, uh, so the non-alcoholic variant, and then we launched a new cider called Appleman's. Yeah. Um, and they needed, they basically wanted to recruit a couple of young people to kind of help the actual reps and account managers, just to kind of secure more distribution with these brands. So they were primarily focused, the reps would have been focused on their draft volumes and the kind of the main pillar brands. So they weren't that forced uh, focusing on these. So basically they wanted help to just get these products out there, arrange samplings, um, ensure that they're visible on the top shelf of the fridge, all these kind of little things. So basically moved into a role in town supporting uh, the higher volume outlets um did that for about six months mm. uh, and then a role came up of kind of permanent account manager role um, or a temporary role actually initially um backfilling somebody's position i did that for 10 months and then there was a bit more moving around and then they're kind of the role for kind of all north county dublin came up and i went for that and that's where i'm now right okay and you always kind of talk about it. You're always like, oh, yeah, I'm selling beer type of thing. And, like, you talk it down. And people might look at it that way. I look at it differently. It's an FMCG job. It's a fast-moving consumer good as a category. So you go work for Unilever, Diageo, uh, what are they called? P&G, uh, Procter & Gamble. All these places. Or Heineken. And you're not selling a can of beer, a pint of beer. You're selling hundreds of thousands of pints of beer which is millions of euro. Like you're selling, you're in a job that is selling something of very high value. And the number one rule of sales, you're gonna do sales, sell something high value because you're gonna get a cut of what yeah, you're selling. Yeah. And so it actually becomes a very high paying sales job basically. Yeah, so I've got 85 customers. Um, basically, yeah, so they typically, between them will buy a couple of hundred grand's worth of beer off us a year. Um, so I'll be responsible for yeah, about 10 million revenue um, coming into Heineken around the year. That's mad. Yeah. And like, the people might think uh, tech sales is, is like a similar sort of thing. People aren't selling 10 millions worth of tech, set, tech a year. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you're responsible for some serious P&L revenue here. Yeah. I, it's People think, oh, he works for Heineken, so he's selling Heineken. But Heineken, uh, for people who don't know, um, are responsible for Coors Light and Orchard Thieves. Uh, Desperado, Saul, Murphy's, we've got a really big portfolio. So we kind of probably have about 40% of the draft taps in Ireland, yeah. give or take. Um, and then Diageo would be our main competitor. They have kind of closer to, well, we, we, I'd say we have 35%, they have about 55%, and then the rest is split over CNC Boomers and the small breweries. Mm. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of beer. If you think about the Irish consumer, that's... Uh, a lot of beer going out each year so yeah and it's uh like without getting into detail the packages are really good 
So I know that the package is for probably a 28 year old there, which is like five years in, is probably, uh, we'll just say like 60 to 60 to 100K a year type of thing, plus a car, plus you probably get a lot of free pints or whatever. You get, you get a lot of free kegs and that sort of stuff a year. You're, you're encouraged to uh, socialize and do a bit of networking with your customers. So I guess there's uh, social perks, definitely, and uh, a couple of gigs and stuff that you get to go to throughout the year. So yeah, from a, a perk perspective, it's possibly one of the best companies I'd say to work for in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And at times like COVID where shit hits the fan, like they take care of you and there's still a lot to do because of the big company as well. Very lucky, yeah. I mean, whilst there was no beer sales in the on-trade, the, uh, the opposite happened in the off-trade. So obviously off-license and supermarket sales spiked and revenue went up there. So that kind of, realistically, that kept me in a job and it kept all the other reps in the job. So they, uh, yeah, fortunate and well taken care of. But um I think old habits die hard with Irish consumers. I think the, the pub trade is going to come again, whether that's few in a few months or in a few years. I don't yeah. think there's any fear of it dying out. It's going to be mad when it's back. It's going to mm. be like social... Well, it, it already is back. So obviously a lot of the, the restaurant licensed guys are not even necessarily a restaurant license, but guys who serve food, they reopened last week. And a lot of my customers who have reopened, like I said, the weekend gone by was hectic. And people are just desperate to get out and get a few points. They've missed their yeah. their draft as opposed to their cans up at home. So, yeah, people just love it. Do you think the <laughs> can't get enough of the stuff? Do you think the off trade sales will maintain as high? It's kind of like speaking to a national um, drinking problem. So I think the fear in the industry is that people will have gotten too used to like paying a fraction of what they mm. pay for a beer, obviously in the, in a pub. So the fear is that they'll have gotten too used to buying a case of beer for 20 quid as opposed to getting... Four pints for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and also the other worry is that in the month of April when this was all starting, the weather was so good that people went crazy investing in their gardens. They bought new barbecues, they did up their patios, they bought all of the new garden gear. So the fear is that people are well way too decked out now. Yeah. They don't need the pub. Um, but... Again, I think that's kind of been proven wrong even just the past week in that the places that have reopened have seen like that their worries haven't really been warranted. So mm. people are still coming out, they're still spending money. The money they might have channeled into going abroad for a week or going to a couple of festivals or gigs, now the only kind of release they have is to go out to their local. Um, so in fact, some guys are actually benefiting from it. Yeah. Um, it's funny, I find myself going for drives just to get out of the house. Like it's... It's that extreme. So yeah. going to the pub, going to a restaurant, going to whatever is going to be a huge a nice release. For a lot of yeah, for yeah. sure. It's been a, it's been a long couple of weeks. So I anticipate if there's no kind of setbacks now, and um, the next couple of weeks that things should kind of be all right. But yeah. Again, very hard to gauge. It's a lot of uh, speculation right now. It's anybody's guess. Um, are there any like mad predictions for where this whole industry is going, or do you reckon this is going to be pretty solid? Um, like compared to what it has been in the in history I think so 2018 was like a bumper year for Heineken Ireland and the beer industry in Ireland like did really well 2018 was incredible really last year it was a tiny tiny slump so the, the overall market was down I think 1 or 2% um, I thought all the crafts would have been messing it up or something uh, craft is still a very very small portion of it all um, it's kind of it's craft for a reason. I mean, mainstream beers are mainstream because I guess the vast majority of people choose them. I don't know. It's kind of a 
it's trendy to drink craft beers but it's small volume because people who drink their craft beers they go out they have a bite to eat they have two or three pints they're often a lot stronger than the mainstream beer and they're never going to kind of hit those volumes yeah um yeah, I wonder yeah. how it'll. Uh, I wonder how it'll pan out in that way. And then you hear about like the gin, whiskey, all that sort of stuff coming up as well. Like habits are changing. No alcohol beers are coming out. Yeah, the non-alcoholics. Um, mm. Yeah, they've kind of come out of nowhere the last two years. Again, a very small portion of the market, but it's an innovation that kind of you expect everywhere to have now. Yeah. So, a lot stricter rules around drink driving. Um, guess it's just yeah it's really been dialed up the last couple of years it's interesting you see some injuries industries get uh totally disrupted by technology like literally nothing newspapers nothing is the same as it was before and that that's going to keep happening drink is more like it's pretty solid like people are, no matter what's going on in technology they're still going to need the pub on a friday for sure yeah i think that's uh socializing is something we all need so yeah, it'll be there but uh yeah the innovation end i guess is is something that's really necessary to keep companies growing and um, so new products are really gonna a big priority at the minute so yeah what are let's say you're 28 now when you're 35 there's a few places you could be what are what are some of those options like would you be running a drinks company would you be running a pub like what what where do you see people go to from this place? when you're 35 yeah like 10 years 20 years or whatever uh i really don't know um so I guess there's a clear enough pathway if you're in a big trains company that if you are good at your job you can kind of work your way up through the ranks but I'd say for most who work on this side of the trade so as sales reps as opposed to owning a pub from their dealings with publicans and seeing how it works I'd say very very few would go that route just because it's a tough racket it's incredibly hard I, yeah. I'm not envious of any publican in Ireland uh, it's a really hard gig it takes a lot of commitment and you have to have a full house for the most part to make any kind of money everyone thinks it's a dream to have their own pub oh it's like yeah I guess viewing it from the outside it might seem like a, a good gig you can have your friends over to drink beer but it doesn't really work that way low so, margins very low high margins. cost yeah, yeah yeah lots of overheads high rates you're paying for high insurance rates you're paying a, a big sky bill if you if you want to have sky and yeah. it's all kind of based on your turnover so it's uh the more successful you are the higher the rates are and it's i think it's just wow. like a, a tough enough gig i think i'd be more inclined to go down the coffee shop route yeah it's kind of a saying in our industry at the minute that coffee shops are the, are the new pubs and that if you want to kind of improve your daytime trade you need to kind of be serving have a good coffee offering and kind of look at other ways of getting people through the door yeah because you're paying that rent for say nine to five during the day but you're only getting business from five to midnight or whatever yeah a lot so of the times these that. guys are barely breaking even during the week and making all of their money on a friday and saturday yeah. night but then they need to open up during the week to just take care of the few regulars that they yeah it, it's it's a tricky one like they they nearly prefer to close a couple of days a week but you also can't do that because you could lose some of your custom to your opposition across the road hmm. so yeah not um it's a great job from from my side um but very challenging i would say if you actually own the pub yeah interesting we were chatting there before about uh not asking ourselves too many questions about what we're doing why we're doing it, how long we're going to do it for and we kind of we got into that which is why probably why we did the podcast but uh the idea of 
you kind of overthink it and you drive yourself a bit mad thinking oh will I do this forever and well, to what extent do you get affected by that and how do you deal with it um, I probably don't think these thoughts for a long time and then I'll just have a moment whereby I'm a bit stressed I'm sitting in the car driving between calls and maybe I kind of think what am I doing like am I going to sell beer like is this my career I'm selling beer that's probably not the most glamorous thing you can do um, but then you just have to be a bit more realistic and think you know it's a 9 to 5 a lot of flexibility it's not an office job it's not an that's office job that's a huge job. plus for a lot of people yeah it is absolutely so you kind of you determine your, your working hours you kind of you get the job done you can start a bit earlier which I like to do typically or on a day that it suits you can start a bit later so I, I appreciate that yeah of it. and um, the grass is always green I was saying that I used to have those thoughts all the time like literally every second 20 minutes when I was in Google and now if they ever creep in which they do very rarely they, they crept in I think what it was yesterday morning or this morning I just slap my head and get them out because they're just like if you're on a good track just keep it going like don't get in your own way just don't feckin start like you everyone will have existential questions all the time if they allow themselves to just ignore them <laughs> keep going and when they really start to inundate you take some time off don't let yeah. them get in the way take some time off and really kind of think and write it out or whatever but don't like I just strongly encourage people to not allow existential questions to become part of their daily routine or whatever yeah I think it's inevitable to question what you're doing um, mm. at some point but yeah provided it's not kind of taking over your thoughts I guess it's it's you have to just appreciate that it's normal and everybody else has the same yeah the same problems so yeah. and except like you've gone from someone who was kind of very worried about this stuff probably four or five years ago to now just delighted on a great track like great gig for the most part yeah for yeah, the most yeah. part yeah. and Intense. you just want to yeah you, you, you don't want to screw it up by overthinking it to yourself or anything like that no um, just happy to, to go with it and I'm the same two years ago I didn't know shit from shoe polish I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't think I was going to be able to get a job again because uh, I had tried grad life as a recruitment company and I thought I was going to be like unemployable and all that sort of stuff and yeah it's worked out well so just not not get letting your thinking get in your own way basically is a is a big thing uh, any other like major advice for young folks out there worrying about this stuff or thinking about it um just kind of relax maybe enjoy the ride a bit more um just kind of focus on the interactions in front of you and not really get too concerned where you're going to be down the line mm. um probably my take maybe i'm a little bit too laid back but um, I don't think just, so. Just uh, enjoy your twenties. You're a happy man. You're a very, very happy man. Like you are when uh, you when you meet you, you're very cordial, happy. Uh, it's relaxed. all just the front. It's all. It's all <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but at the same time, that kind of suits me. You know, I'm it's sure, a nice. I'm sure, it'll just we'll get there. It's a nice way to be. It's a way that uh, a lot of people in investment banks or startups or any of these kind of like high pressure jobs. I know they would wish they would they could be if they would just kind of open up their thinking a little bit and acknowledge that there are other paths out there. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And you had to do that the hard way maybe at the start. Or may no, it seemed like the hard way at the start when all your friends knew exactly what they were gonna do. But then all those friends are kind of going through crises right now or or over the last couple of years or next couple of years. And it's much harder to go through the crisis when you have when you're on a track and you're like, oh Jesus, I can't go, I can't change path now, I can't go yeah. back and restart, whatever. So 
I guess one overarching lesson behind this that I hope people are taking is that uh, here you've got a guy who's doing very well who was confused coming out of the gates and I think it's much healthier to go through that and just welcome that confusion then go off try a lot of stuff like that sort of thing rather than meeting with it down the line when the stakes are a lot higher yeah yeah like there, there is no no cut off points right? like when you can figure it all out just kind of go with it and if you figure it out when you're 21 that's great but if Takes you a little bit longer, so be it. So be it, and enjoy the enjoy the ride along the way. That's it. Any quote that you live by that uh, you'll you'll put, you'll leave us with on the knowledge? Um, I'm probably not that inspiring. Uh, I don't have anything offhand, but um, I know the CEO of Heineken actually retired. I think his name John Francois Van Boxmeer. Right. So he was the CEO of Heineken, um, for the last fifteen years. So he moved into a role in. Vodafone a couple of weeks ago so he, he did a little video on our workplace uh, it was on LinkedIn as well and right. he said something always just work hard in the job that you're in now which kind of what I took from that was just to kind of stick at it don't get too concerned with how am I going to move into the next job how am I going to move into the job beyond that yeah. just do well in what you're doing now get on with people and you'll kind of get there so maybe that's something that kind of resonated with me a little bit when I heard him say it so I think that's a good mantra just kind of do well in the role you're in and don't worry about kind of working your way through the next couple of jobs it'll just come that will go down as one of my favorite quotes from god life because that's one of the main lessons i personally needed to learn and i think a lot of people out there need to learn because and you even said it at the start you didn't like that merchandising role at the start but just head down ass up fucking get it done for about a year and they'll pick the person with their head down to move on and upwards into the next thing yeah, well, I'd be more inclined to keep the head up and just kind of smile, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're into. Mine up. Thanks a million. No problem.